We're in the Beatitudes. We are in the Beatitudes. And uh, we're talking about the eight Beatitudes that came out of the mouth of Jesus. And last week I opened up the series talking about them, calling them the cheat codes of the happy life. Only because Jesus said that. In the Greek, you could interchange that word happy and blessed. So it's like happy are the gentle, happy are the poor in spirit, happy are the meek, happy are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. This is like the cheat code to the happy life. Everyone else is trying to hand us so many other things to happiness. And Jesus is like, yo, I said something 2,000 years ago that's still working. If you guys would just lean into this. You know, it's pretty cool what was taking place today because something God's been doing in my heart recently is just like, he gave me the phrase about three weeks ago, create space for me, Jason. And uh, I was like, what does that even mean? Because I mean, I love you, God, you know this. But he's just like, just make space for me more. Like, instead of just opening the Bible and just start reading, just sit for a second. If you're going to go for a walk, just take me in. I'm, I'm there. I'm with you. You know, if you guys are going to be worshiping, like, just make room because I might want to do something or say something. And sometimes we're on so much autopilot that we're not even aware that maybe God wants to, like, break in and, and speak to us or say something to us. It's sometimes kind of scary to live open-handed with your life with God. You know, sometimes it's easier for us to just cling down on kind of what we want and how we want to do it and the direction we want our life to go. Sometimes it really requires us to just lean into that place of like, God, I don't, I don't know, but I'm just going to open my hands and trust you. We've said this before in this church, but like access with God is a done deal because of what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. He paid it in full. You have face-to-face with dad now. But awareness with God, that's a moment-by-moment thing. So it's not that we lack access. What we actually lack is awareness. Awareness that God is here. Kind of like Jacob, anyone know that story in the Old Testament? He's on the run from Esau, his brother. He takes a nap. Angels ascending, descending. He wakes up from the nap. He's like, God was in this place, and I didn't even know it. I wonder if that's the story of our life sometimes. God is in the midst of something, and we're like not even aware that he's there. Not even aware that he's moving. And if anyone got weirded out about angels, like, you got to read the Bible. They're, like, all in the Bible, like, everywhere. There's verses that say, like, he gives his angels charge concerning his word. Like, literally, the angels are helping fulfill the words of God in the earth. They want to partner with humanity. There's assignments that God has for your life and my life, things he wants to do, and we actually need heaven's help to see them through. It's not enough that we just have our own good ideas and strategies. Heaven wants to help us. That's what it looks like, sending the angel armies, right? 
the Beatitudes. <laughs> I said this last week, but it's like sometimes, you know, Jesus talks a ton about the kingdom more than anything. And we're like, what's the kingdom? I just say, look at Jesus. He's the embodiment of the kingdom. You know, what's, I mean, what's the life of the Beatitudes look like? Look at Jesus. He was the embodiment of these eight Beatitudes. He lived these out. The Beatitudes are the core values of the kingdom. There's eight of them. It's a really important three chapters, the Sermon on the Mount, but it opens up with these eight core values of the kingdom. They are heart postures for us to live fully alive in God and fully happy. The Beatitude that we're talking about today is the first one. And I want us to just aware of this. Anytime something's first, you want to pay attention. God's very smart, so he puts things in order for certain reasons. So he literally sits down and opens with this. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs the kingdom of God. This beatitude literally is the root to the fruit. None of the beatitudes will even make sense to us, let alone live into them, if we don't want to embrace a life of being poor in spirit, for there is heaven there is God's kingdom coming into earth. I mean, think of the visual right now, guys, in your mind. Just what does that look like? I mean, can you imagine Jesus just says this? What are you thinking? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's my kingdom. There's heaven. Guys, he's inviting us into something. Don't you love that about him? He's not going to like try to put you in a headlock. He's not going to try to put fear on you, guilt you into something, shame you into something. That's not who God is. But he'll always invite us into something. And let's never forget this, that Jesus is a genius. He's the geniuses of all geniuses. He knows how life should work. He's the life coach of all life coaches, the counselor of all counselors, the greatest influencer to ever live. Like he's all those things and more. So when he says something about a happy life, a joyful life, a life that's a blessing not only to you, but to all the lives around you, like we want to just lean into these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is heaven. Well, you know this about me. I grew up in an alcoholic home. Cops at the house, breaking up the fights, doing the rehabs with my mom. I didn't go. She went. I visited. Um, AA meetings, Al-Anon meetings. And I want to say this. I, you might have your own thoughts about AA and all that, um, 12 steps. But honestly, they, they were created by believers and they work and I just want to read the first three to you because they're right in line with Jesus' words about being poor in spirit step one we admitted that we are powerless over alcohol that our lives have become unmanageable step two 
came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Somebody, gosh, let's go. Step three, made a decision to turn our wills and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Sounds like the porn spirit to me. Oh, guys, our culture has tried to trick us to think that money, sex, and power is the key to the happy life. They really have. I mean, it's constantly put out in commercials and ads and everything. More money, more sex, more power. Then you're going to be happy. Which is why it's really important that you establish what does success look like in your life? Like, how have you defined success? Is the culture defined success to you? Or has you allowed God in the kingdom define what success is? You know what's kind of crazy as Jesus followers? We're following a man that had no money, didn't have sex, and could care less about power. He's always avoiding it when people wanted to try to give him like, He's like, I'm out of here. (laughs) Someone laugh with me. I mean, come on. We're literally following a guy that's broke, doesn't have sex, and is avoiding like influence. And then our whole culture is like, you need more money, more sex, and more influence? It's like something is off. We have all been discipled by our culture, and you're silly to think you haven't been. If you grew up in America, you're being discipled. It's just how much of the kingdom and Jesus is discipling us out of the culture into what God is like, into what the kingdom of heaven is like. One Timothy six, Paul telling young Tim that godliness with contentment is great gain. Is that good? Godliness, that heart posture towards him with contentment. I'm not going to strive anymore. That's great gain. Guys, What is out there right now is so much around trying to fix your outer world, move things around, move people around, maybe move jobs around, roommate, just move things around so I can be happy. But what God does, he says, get this right, get the inner world right, and it won't matter so much what's happening around you. But so many people are trying to rearrange their outer worlds in hopes it changes something. I realized early, man, in ministry, when Bob was like weird and off and making my life hard, I avoided him. But then he showed up with another name. And then he was Tim. And he showed up as Larry. And then, you know what I mean? They weren't the issue. The issue was God was trying to get us something in me. And I was trying to arrange, get these different people out of my life. But they kept coming more into my life. 
it's getting this right. And that's what the Beatitudes are right. They're attitudes of the heart. They're ways of the heart. And they form by being with him, by spending time in his presence, by sitting, by making space and giving him room. I've come to believe that mature spirituality isn't about having all your ducks in a row, having all your life together. It's rather looks like you're learning how to let go. You're learning more and more how to just let go. White knuckle people, man, they're stressed out on life. Straight up. They are stressed out. You're stressing me out. I'm just being funny. But like for real, when we white knuckle life, we're learning, or we're not learning, we're causing us to be way more uptight than we need to be. I said it last week, most of life is low stakes. Maybe all of life depending how you view death and dying. I don't know. I'm challenged when Jesus is like, the children are entering the kingdom. Anybody else challenged by that? A few head nods, praise God. I mean, it's like the children will inherit the kingdom? I mean, you know, like Zoe walks up. She got nails from my mom yesterday. She's like, Dad, my nails already. Three of them are missing on one hand. She had two and three. She's like pumped on her fake nails. You know, it's just like, she's just like happy. It's just wild. She got bloomies. Bloomies are like the coolest thing. I needed more bloomies. It's like, you got them, girl. I want to read you guys something how Jesus lived. Does that sound good? Okay, this is Philippians 2. Some of you can turn there if you want to. You don't have to. I think it's important to see how he lived his life so we know what we're being invited into to live our life. But 2.3 says this, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. We can just stop the whole service, but we'll keep going. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. Although he exists in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Listen to this, guys. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, on earth, and under earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Woo! Wow.
Although he exists in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Do you catch that? He let go of his God. There's a real theological word for this. I don't, I should have wrote it down so I can impress you guys. He remained God, but he did not use God abilities while on earth. He literally emptied himself, walked earth as fully human to show us I do miracles by being dependent on my dad. I do the fruit of the spirit by being dependent in relationship with my dad. I'm trying to show you guys, this is what a human looks like. This is what I'm inviting you into to live with the father in this way. So he literally emptied himself of the God side so he can embrace 100% human for you and for me. Hmm. Guys, blessed is the poor in spirit. This is how Jesus lived his life because there is the kingdom of heaven. Without poverty of spirit, guys, we will inevitably attach to money for security and image. Without poverty of spirit, we will inevitably attach to our gifts and talents to find our identity. Without poverty in spirit, we will eventually attach to trying to control outcomes, situations, and even people. And without poverty in spirit, we will spend our life building our own kingdoms instead of God's kingdoms and enjoying the kingdom. Does that make sense? There's a safety and a beauty being poor in spirit. The poor in spirit guys are those that are leaving the land of scarcity and lack. Why? So they can step into the abundance of God. See, it's a mindset that found in God that says there's always enough. Do you know that? That's a mindset in God that you could be like, there's always enough. When we're not trying to fill our own cups and we're letting God fill our cup, our cup overflows, right? I mean, this is the most famous psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Sounds like someone who was living in abundance. My cup overflows. See, we're going to allow God to fill our cups in life or we're going to try to find other things to put in our cup. Because we're like, I can't trust you to do it. I'll take care of that. And then I, here's the million dollar question. Well, how's that working out for you? Let me know how that's working out. Might work out for a small season, but after that, I promise you will be dry, weary, frustrated, and mad. And until you realize it's you, it's going to be the people around you. Might even throw some of that on God. When he's just wanted you to rest and receive. 
That's what children are so good at. They just receive. You're like, can I hug you? You're like, sure. You want this? What is it? At least my kids. They're like, I'll take it. (laughs) Give it to me. You know, and it's not an arrival place, living in abundance, but the kingdom has no lack. It's a relationship with God where you're realizing, like, he can take care of you. Cast all your anxieties upon him. Why? Why would I do that? Because he cares for me. I had a brand new truck in 2005, like, pretty brand new, uh, Ford Ranger, pretty nice, chrome wheels, new, tented, it felt good. But as we're moving into community house, I feel like, I felt like God was like, hey, um, make that truck available to others. I was like, say what? That's my truck, God. You know I paid for that, right? He's like, make it available to others. I was like, Okay. That was a wonderful decision I made. That freed my heart from trying to latch on too much to my truck. And I got challenged many times. One time, a guy kind of, I think he was on to me about my truck, you know? He's like, I got to go visit family in San Francisco. Do you think I can take it? I was like, this was for local drives only. Why would you take my truck to San Francisco? I was like, just let him have the truck. You don't need it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, have the truck for the weekend. (laughs) I don't really do handyman stuff. I got enough people in my life who are way better at that than me. You got to learn to staff your weaknesses. It's a weakness. I'll hang a picture, that's about it. My boys are probably already handier than me. Um, Mike, thank you, neighbor. Um, But uh, I had a bunch of tools when I moved into this community house. I had a sign, borrow my tools, return them. When I left that house, I kid you not, there was like a screwdriver, some bits, a saw. I was like, I had like a lot of tools. They just vanished on me. Anyone newly married? Get all that cool married stuff? So uh, yeah, we moved all of our cool little married stuff into this community house. Yes, and you just said, bye, 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 bye. (laughs) I did not mean to sing a song, but, you know, go with it. Oh, the guac bowl. There's a lot of stories in this, my life there. Community living's interesting. Basically, someone made a bunch of guac and went bad. Made a nice little pottery barn bowl, like one of those big ones. And instead of cleaning it, it was too much, so they just took it out to the dumpster and put it in there. So when I went to throw away the trash, I was like, oh, my bowl. I was already losing a lot of stuff at this point, so I was like, oh, it's probably broke. I pick it up, I examine it. I'm like, it's perfect, actually. Just didn't get clean. <laughs> Why clean it when you can throw it out? I don't know. <laughs> just do you. Do you, I guess. <laughs> Guys, all these things, though, help me to stop gripping life and possessions and people too tight. 
And we could do a whole other talk on stewardship because I'm a big fan of stewardship. You know me? I'm like, let's steward what God's given us. So yes to stewardship. But at the end of the day, I get so convicted by these kind of verses. Don't read the Sermon on the Mount unless you want to change. Like straight up, don't do it. Don't. I'm serious. Don't. I mean, I will hear the Holy Spirit say, give to him who asks of you. Don't turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. I wish there were stipulations. He's like, just give to him and ask you. Don't turn away from those who want to borrow from you. Someone slaps you here. Here, hit the other cheek. Someone's like, let's go one. Jesus is like, go two. I mean, he calls us to places you cannot live without the Holy Spirit and do it with a clean heart. You need the Spirit of God to live out the kingdom of God. It doesn't happen any other way. Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, uh, it was a rhetorical question. He said, what do you have, Corinthians, that you haven't been given? I asked you guys that. I asked me, what do we have that you haven't been given? Go ahead, put your hand on your heart. You feel that that next heartbeat? Guess who just gave you that? Thank you, God. (laughs) Right? I mean, your heart ain't beating on its own. Someone's keeping that alive right now. The job you have, you're like, well, you don't know. I went to college. I got a master's. That's why I work there, and I make X amount. It's like, maybe. Or maybe God gave you an incredible intellect that you stewarded well to get the job that you have, to get the influence for his namesake. Bible says David was anointed king for Israel's sake, not his ego. I am the king. Bow down to me. Another concubine. Let's go. Okay, that was scandalous. My bad. Um, But he was anointed king for Israel's sake. It wasn't for his ego. And I'm telling you, whatever you've been given, it's from God. And the more that we can step into that place, the more gratitude's released the more dependence is released, the more of the kingdom we're walking in because we see the hand of God in our life. Mental health is a real thing, so I say this very lightly, but I don't think I've seen a depressed, thankful person. And I'm sorry if you have depression and I don't put that on you heavy right now at all. I really don't. But thankfulness lets us go above. You ever been to Lizard's Mouth when it's all the fog in SB? It like brings you up higher where there's gratitude and thanksgiving. But I feel like gratitude and thanksgiving come from a place of recognizing your need for God again and that he's the one doing it in your life. James 1 says, every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. I love that verse. We got to get free of entitlement. I'm not even going to go there right now. But like, dang, we have got to get free of entitlement as a culture, especially the church. Mm -mm. 
We are not entitled to anything, including the way people treat you. And if you think you should be treated better than Jesus, you got the wrong Jesus. You got the wrong Bible. We'll get to that. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Happy are the persecuted. But we don't, we're not entitled to anything. It's all a gift from God. Listen to Jesus' words here. I'm getting close to the end because I can feel it's getting a little heavy and you know, just want to laugh a little more. Ha last week was funnier. I liked you better there, Jason. I'm not there today, I'm sorry. Um, the church at Laodicea in Revelation, they got corrected by Jesus. Jesus said this, you're saying I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, I need nothing. Those are Jesus' words. This is what they were saying in their heart, probably not in words. Then Jesus said the truth. He said, you don't realize that you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. And then he encourages them as he encourages all of us, buy gold refined by the fire. Because that's what I have for you. Basically calling them into a life, an inner life like I was talking about, where it's not about all the exterior things, but it's about real relationship, real connection, real love. See, but naked you came into the world, some of you might be going out the same way. Some of you might be going out with some clothes. Some of you are like, just burn me up. I'm like, what's the cheapest way? Throw me over a boat with a thing, I don't care. I'm all good. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Glorified body's coming upon me. Um, but like, we brought nothing into this world and we leave with nothing. And it's not morbid to think of the death date. It's not morbid to think you're gonna expire one day. It's actually wise. Most of history did that. We're just in a culture now that's like, we're never gonna die. Science is creating stuff. We're going for 200 years, maybe forever. It's like, no, we're not. You're going to die. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, I'm going to read the verse twice uh, to us out of two different versions, okay? So just hear me out here. This is Matthew 5, 3. This is the message. You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God in his rule. Passion translation what happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. <clears throat> you got to feel that spiritual poverty. David said, I humbled my soul by fasting. Anyone doing the green book? Yeah, there it is. How's that Friday working out? A little fasting Friday. <laughs> uh, the discipleship book. Sixty discipleship. I think we might have a few other copies if my family brought them. Um, tomorrow's slow down Monday, and that's about creating space, slowing down, getting the longest line, driving in the slow lane, talking slower. A lot of men eat their food like dogs. You know what I mean? We just inhale it. <laughs> All right, I'm good. Let's go. So slow down Monday. You're just like, we'll take, you know, chew it, chew it, and keep chewing it. 
and just enjoy that chew. All right. Um, last week, someone came up after and they had some great questions for me. And I was like, wow, those are really good. And one or two of them was like, oh, those are in my notes, but I, your notes, you lose your notes when you're up here. Um, but I just wanted to open that up today for just a sec, probably like not long, but did anyone want to question something or ask something or ask me to expand on something I said during this time before I close it off? What's your name? Thomas. Yes. Well, I would say the poor in spirit are the rich in spirit. To be poor is a place of I need. Recognizing your need for God. Jesus said this, apart from me, you can do nothing. So to be poor in spirit, you recognize how much you need God, how dependent you are on him. And that apart from him, like you might be able to do things, but they're not with God. And the Bible is very clear. At the end of the day, we will all stand before him and everything will get hit by the fire. But not you. You're good. But everything that's not of God, it burns away. You know, and the Bible says, Sermon on the Mount, store for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal. It's like, are we storing up treasures here? It's fine. It's fine. It's a hard thing at the end of the day, but really, like, we're going there. I mean, that's where you want to store the treasures. That's why secret giving is kind of cool. There's no reward now. It's only rewarded later. It's kind of fun. Only questions. Just give me questions, bro. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say this. Yes. Right. I want to say this too, because I do want to make this a point, is if it's the real gospel and the real kingdom, it better work with the millionaires and it better work with those in the slums. You know what I mean? Or that's not the gospel. So the millionaire billionaire can be very poor in spirit. I have met some. And so, you know, but Jesus says um, the poor would inherit the kingdom. And he has other verses on the poor that are slipping my mind right now. But like, basically, they're already in a more dependent place. That's why it's easier sometimes to be in the bush in Africa or India or whatever, where there's not a ton of money. And you're like, what the world? Why are you so happy about God? You know, 
because they're already in a very dependent place on him. But poor in spirit needs to work on all social economic levels. Yeah, so I just want to make that very clear. Because, you know, sometimes there's a weird gospel out there, a poverty gospel, yet it's the same believers like that are like, send money to the mission field. You're like, well, who's going to send the money? Like, we need money if we're going to send money, you know? And to build certain things and other stuff. So it's like we don't want to have a poverty gospel. God owns a battle. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Our God is very wealthy. Okay, I'm not going to get into money right now. I can tell some of you are like, I don't know, Jason. I have some of my thoughts I want to share. You want to share the mic? No, I don't. Thank you, though, for asking. (laughs) Um, anyone else, though? No. Ryan? How persecution? Well, I would like to stick with the sermon today, but I did say something on persecution. Um, well, I mean, there's... I mean, there's the simple persecution of people hating you for just loving Jesus, Right? During the pandemic, we had a neighbor who was just like not having us meet, but I felt like it was even more like attached to a spirit of just coming against us. Like there was an Instagram account that she was just putting us on blast every week. Like, look at these effing Christians. You know, she would just lace in. That's why we built the privacy fence. If you're wondering why there's a fence there, bless you, Fisher. Um, We had to get that fence up quick. (laughs) But so there's that persecution, clearly, you know. Um, but I mean, in the workforce, people, I've, I've, I've been in, I've worked pastoring part-time jobs since I've been a believer, started early working. And I've had people not like me, right? Because I love Jesus and they know that, you know. Um, so, I mean, I think persecution is a broad thing. Fortunately, we're many weeks out before I'm preaching on that. So I'll be getting back to you. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Yep. Just say it loud, though. No. Right. I love that question. Right. Dang, you lived. You have lived some life, Hannah. That is the truth. Life does do that to you. <laughs> um. There's so much in the Sermon on the Mount, so I'm so glad, Monty, you and Jay are going through it, but I told you guys last week, if we're in the Beatitudes, you should just go for all three chapters and kind of start circling them. You know, but Jesus says um, to go into your closet, shut the door, pray to your Father who's in secret. Father who sees you in secret will reward you. You know, and a lot of believers do not have time with God. Like, let's just be honest, you know, they don't have a rhythm with God at all, you know, and you see Jesus again, who were falling, who early in the morning often got away to be with dad before he started the day. So it's like, we want the fire, but we don't want to be around the bonfire. But it's like, if you want connection with God and real relationship, you got to make time to sit around the fire. And we don't need fireworks every time. You know what I mean? I went on a walk today, and for whatever reason, I grabbed one flower that led me into like 10 different flowers, and I haven't picked a flower for like 
I don't even want to say how long, you know, it's sad. But I was like, wow, like the different like intricacies of a flower and the colors and God. And I mean, I was getting blasted on this walk, you know, by just flowers. Um, and then I sat down in a kind of a funk a little. But after 10 minutes of just sitting in silent, not trying to make anything happen, I started feeling heaven. You know, and the goal isn't to try to fail, right? But I was so thankful that God was like, I'm here. I'm here. You know, but sometimes we're not making space for God. And then we're wondering, like, I'm just, I don't know. You know, it's like, make space. And then he may invite you. Be like, yo, make your car a community car for everyone. Hannah, no. <laughs> just playing. Um, but yeah, but you know, I mean, that's what he does. He sometimes will tell you certain things that will usher you in. It's always invitation, though. It's always invitation. Mm-hmm. Sweet. We good? Yes, that was a spiritual closet. Not in a closet. Nice. No. I mean, you can. I know somebody. Carlos showed me his closet the other day. I was like, oh, snap. You got a real closet. Small little area here. Secret place. <laughs> yes. so good right uh, that's like a word that's good um the fullness of god it says yeah the fullness of god dwells in bodily form and then the next verse is in christ you are complete so that's just a freebie i'll get to your question but like so many believers are trying to work to get something instead of recognize what we've already been given. In Christ, you're complete. Back to your question. So, yes, I should have my theological word, but yes, Jesus, fully God, fully human. Yeah, incarnate. The Jesus in heaven, though, is just all glory. Which is why in Revelations, his boy, John, who just did three years with him, he shows up and he falls down and says like a dead man because the glory of Jesus is so much in heaven. It was just like, this is a different Jesus almost, you know, in, in the magnitude of who he is. And so for me, it's like the two aren't in tension at all. But I think when we're reading scripture, the gospels, we need to see he was the embodiment of a human, which is why more than any term, he's called the son of man, more than the son of God, way more. Because God wanted us to see, if you don't know this, sorry, we're going theological here. Jesus is our God and our king, but he's also your older brother. So you're like, I never had an older brother. I was the oldest. No, you're not. No, you're not. And God's got no grandkids that so we all on level plane here. You know, Jesus is the older brother, you know? And so, yes, but he's God and he'll forever be God. We're made in that image and we're in that likeness. And I've said this before, we're more like God than we realize. And I'm convinced of that when we step into glory, we'll be like, whoa. Which is why one of our roles will be to judge angels one day. Not now, 
Right now, we're almost like a little lower. They're doing some heavenly things, but one day we're going to be in that role, whatever that means. I don't know why we would judge Angel. I'm like, dude, you've done so much work. It was probably so hard. High fives for everybody. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not, though. They were like, well, what were you doing? <laughs> you know I was crying out for that. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of mysteries. You know, Jesus left people with more questions than answers often. People were just baffled by him, you know, and I love that. We're in the West, so we feel like we got to figure everything out. But the East, and that, you know, Jesus came out of the East, it's a very more holistic, circular way of doing life. Hebraic culture was much different than our culture. Mm -hmm. Cool? All right. I like that. You saw me going just about the end. You're like, hold up. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a lot of examples. I mean, I, there's so many, like, biographies of people who lived this out, right? I mean, my mind goes to Mother Teresa, but that's not, like, that's not even fair, really, you know? Because she feels like it's just like, well, that's just an easy out. Um, yeah, thank you. Danny's like, I thought you were going to say Jesus. Yeah, so Jesus. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but again, but I don't, I, I would love to even point out, you know, I have a friend who's a businessman who loves God, who loves his family, who's praying all the time, you know, who's hearing heaven. I mean, he's living very poor in spirit to me, you know? So again, I just don't want to make it like a money thing. I want to make it just like a relationship that says Jesus is the most important thing. And when Jesus is your most important thing, it will naturally bring you into that see because all these beatitudes to me they're coming from heart posture and identity and when we recognize that we're a son or a daughter it will naturally bring us into a poor in spirit lifestyle orphans are like i got this it's all me it's all on me i've had to take care of myself forever no one's looking out for me you know sons daughters they're like i got a dad i'm cool He's a lot stronger than your dad. Beat you up, you know? Like, they're like not tripping on like, is there food? You know what I mean? Like, they know their sons and daughters. So that's why like, knowing you have a father who's in heaven is, you know, I said it last week, the two big revelations Jesus brought was father and kingdom. Both were like, like changed the whole game. Mm-hmm. All right, we good?